Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Oakley Dokley. I figured I'd go ahead and start our recording today a little bit earlier than I usually would do. I mean, we're right on time schedule, but. I've been shifting around ever slightly. Today, it's different. Today, there's a, a severe thunderstorm happening out here. And yes, I'm in the desert. We get thunderstorms, and they're actually pretty bad out here compared to other places I've been. I think, you know, like the lightning hits close. The rain hits strong. We don't get a lot of hail, but we do get some pretty strong thunderstorms. And part of that has to do with, it's almost like a static electricity situation, you know, the dryness in the air and everything else, and it attracts some of that. And then the rain, it's like, it'll just hit sudden. So I like it, but a lot of people out here don't. Sometimes we get ice on the ground. When I first moved here, we got ice on the ground. And I remember I tweaked my knee walking because it was slick out there. And I didn't, I didn't expect it. It was like black ice. So we do get this aberrant weather at times. That's yet another reason I want to get the hell out of here. And again, I don't mind rain. I like rain, but I don't like Nevada. So then that on top of the fact that I don't like the rain, it just ugh, makes it worse. Anyway, I haven't left yet. And the reason I haven't left yet is because I wanted to try to see about getting a couple of things done on the car that I may not be able to get done. I also was going to get some new tires and rims. And for whatever reason, chrome rims are freaking out of stock everywhere. And I don't know what the hell that's all about. Cause I like some chrome rims, can't find them. So I got to think about what to do there. And if I bother waiting, the third was, do I, you know, eat the drive all the way up to where I am supposed to go, the place that I'm paying for, which I have to pay the rent again. And I'm going to pay the rent here if I don't leave before pretty much before Friday. So, but the drive, it's a long drive. So I, I'm kind of tussling in my head. Okay. What the heck do I do here? So I'm still in the middle ground. I'm committed to trying to get something done in August. I just have not settled and said, okay, let's get this thing done. It's like, I know I need to go. It's when. Nothing keeps me here other than this business with the car and the check engine light. And I want to get that checked out. And the, the shop, there's a shop that's way down south and I want to check it, take it to. But 
I'm working with my endeavors. So I wanted to try to see if I could do Saturday. Well, that means I'm going to be stuck here all the way to Saturday. Saturday would be cleaner, easier to get there. Want to worry about other stuff. I don't know. So I'm playing that by ear. So that's, that's that. Separately, you may hear the occasional thunderclap in the background because it's loud as all hell. And there's not a damn thing I can do about it. And I apologize for that. But uh, it's, I like it. It's refreshing. It's cooling off, too. That's really cool. Humidity's up. I love that. That's why my voice is on point. I want to j- jump into cryptocurrency. I'm going to talk some numbers here. But my episode today is going to focus on two primary outlets. Let's do numbers, and then we'll dig straight into those. There's a couple of the news bits, but I am going to focus on these two because I think they warrant a little bit more time and attention than some of the other things that are out there. I zoomed out on the month chart on Coindesk.com, and I checked on Ethereum, and I saw more red than green. And the story of what's going on right now, Bitcoin had a little bit of a jump. It went up from 28, I believe it was low as like 28.8 or something like that. Yeah, 28.5, actually. At a high of 30,000, had a significant I say significant, but relative to everything else. Pump, there still is a bearish overall sentiment, but this pump, if you didn't know, was caused mostly by Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor, he has been strong on Bitcoin, and the theory was that there was going to be a significant influx of money flowing into Bitcoin in the near future, which may cause a bit of a run-up. Nobody thinks that it's going to sustain, but at least for right now, there's profit opportunities to be had. Meanwhile, on the Ethereum side, Ethereum had a low of 18.13 and a high of 18.78, which is nowhere near as wide as Bitcoin. This is how you know that overall things are not getting better. They're still in the middle state. It's just that Bitcoin had a little bit of a pump because of this one event that set people off. The big news, though, is around Bone. Bone is one of my two topics for today. Bone has been going on a run. Bone got as low as like 50 cents way back yonder. I told people... I think it's an opportunity to get into this because I think there's going to be something here. The ecosystem announced that they were going to release, basically mint the remaining supply of the total supply. So it's up to 250 million, I believe it is, and renounce the contract. You might be wondering, well, why? It's because in order for them to make it a gas token and be able to pay validators for the Shibarium, they have to have it renounced and they have to have all the supply out there. So they're trying to gear up for this that's scheduled to be released here in August. This, as well as the, you know, the release date and the renouncing and the supply and everything else, caused more run-up on Bone. People are doing a dash for Bone, mostly on the centralized exchanges. I think the market cap went as close as, you know, 400 million or some crazy number. Now, the long-term projection doesn't look like it's going to be significant, but you got to look into a couple of things. When you look at graphs and they try to make a prediction long-term, you know, Bollinger Bands and everything else. If you're looking at RSI, whatever, if you're trying to make a prediction, there's a couple of things that may not be apparent. Number one, if if Shibarium is able to be successful as a blockchain, if it's able to do what it claims that it can do, if it's able to entice people to build on it, if it, the speed is there, if the stability is there, if the security is there, if it's able to do what it says that it can do, and then it's able to bank on the hype that the SHIB ecosystem has had, up to this point, there's no reason that we can't see a significant run-up of bone over the next year. Because if you think of ones like Internet Computer, if you think of ones like AVAX, Avalanche, if you think of ones, you know, early on Polygon, Matic, and all these other ones when they first became a thing, when they first got out and then they started ramping up on the enticement of different projects and getting more on the blockchain and improving what they were doing as Layer 2s, 
you started immediately seeing runs. Like if you think of AVAX, AVAX got to three figures. I believe it was like $100, $200, $300. On that one, internet computer, I forget how high it went, but it certainly was in the three figures. And so it's, it's entirely feasible that you could see a significant run up. Now, the flip on this is if you look at ones like XLM, Stellar, they didn't go nearly as high. I mean, they might have gotten to two figures, but they certainly didn't get to three. Well, if you look at Bone then, Bone supply is more constrained. Bone has more of the chatter around it. Bone is more media friendly. The only thing Bone lacks right now is a presence on Binance.com. Rumors are that Binance.com is en route to listing them here very soon. That's going to cause another run up. Also, the buying and the selling of Bone, that volatility, the volume. Bone has never had significant volume similar to like SHIB has. SHIB has billions and billions of, of volume. Bone has never had anywhere close to that level of volume. When volume starts to play in, you're going to start seeing some money shifts happen faster than a few cents per. But even over the past couple, I mean, it went up at least 10 cents. I mean, that's nothing to shake a stick at because depending on how much you invested in it, that might be significant profits for people. And again, let's say that bone doubles. Let's say it just doubles and it goes there. So right now, I think it was at $1.60 or some odd. Let's say that from $1.60, it goes as high as $3.20. Well, if you tossed, you know, $10,000 in there, that's $10,000 of profit. I mean, it's still not chump change. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? And I'll be talking about that at the tail end of our episode here, what I just described, this idea that profit opportunity is actually very easy to calculate if you think it through. So Bone right now has is in crosshairs. People are focusing on it because of Shibarium, as well as what's going on in the larger industry and a place to put money it looks like it's profit opportunity and the fact that its price is one of the rare few that's actually going up as opposed to down. So if you do have your eye on bone, I do recommend be smart about it. Don't YOLO. I understand the temptation. Make sure it's money you can afford to lose because nobody knows what's going to happen. It's possible that Shibarium is a catastrophic, epic failure. And if so, it's going to crap. We know this to be a strong risk. Also, when you look at the volume to market cap ratio, so this is a ratio of what is the volume? How much volume do we see compared to its market cap? It has been extremely low, significantly low. Because it's significantly low, it means ultimately there's not enough volume to make sense. That's a summary of what that means. There's not enough volume to make sense. Bone has never had anywhere near the attention that SHIB had. Leash never had the attention that SHIB had. That's what pissed off the community. The community has been sitting on SHIB, hoping that their SHIB would make them millionaires one day. Then the announcement came out that Bone was going to be the gas token. Bone was going to be the one to benefit from the traffic. Bone might actually even have burns at some point. And yet, for whatever reason, SHIB was going to be left in the dust. They said that SHIB is ultimately the back end of the ecosystem, but they never really elaborated on what that means. So people are kind of in this middle ground of we don't really know what they're going to do with this damn thing of SHIB. And we now have this bone and we don't know what that means. All I'm saying to you is that bone has never had the level of volume that SHIB did. Bone has never had the level of attention that SHIB did. But bone has a heavily constrained supply. Again, I believe it's 250 million total supply as of right now. Not to have very, I don't think it's going to have any, any more per the contract. And if it's going to be used to pay the validators and it's going to be constrained even further all it can do is go up in price. So when you're looking at these graphs and predictive measures, if they're not taking into consideration all these other intangibles that are potentially going to come out, but we don't know if they guaranteed will come out. They may not. 
So make sure it's money you're going to be okay losing if you decide to buy into this. Don't YOLO or don't FOMO into it. If you're going to get in, get in because you see something there and you're confident in what it's going to be and where it's going to go. But just again, make sure it's money you can afford to lose because nobody really knows what can happen. As I record this, Bone is sitting at $1.65 from a low of $1.49. So its, it's trajectory is increasing sharply. This may mean that it's going to keep going to the moon, do, 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 or it may mean an epic failure if the team cannot deliver like they say that they can. Let's talk about the flip side then, all the other fun stuff that happened. All right, XRP. XRP has had a little bit of dwindling price. It had its run-up with the court case, and then it started tapering off. As I said here on CryptoTalkRadio.net that it would do, I didn't dig into why. I just expected that it wasn't going to go significant, significant, significant. significant. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe there's anything one factor that contributed. It's just you got to understand there are people sitting on a lot of this stuff, and when the thing started climbing, they were going to take profits. When they take profits, it's going to crap a bit. I believe there's still a general bullish sentiment around XRP. I believe XRP in the long term is going to be okay. I believe XRP is going to go through some a bit of bumpy ground as we get rid of people who are sitting and holding on bags for the court cases. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how long. I can't tell you what it all means. I can tell you, though, the big picture of XRP to me is very similar to the big picture of something like Bitcoin, as in it hit a bottom and seems to remain at the bottom for an extended period, and it's making people very skittish. But I think XRP is going to be okay in the long run. Do I think XRP is going to hit like three figures? No. I could be wrong, but I don't think it will. But I do think that it's going to be okay, as in I don't think it's going to crap out completely or fail. I think it's going to be one of those stable, you know, stable, not stable coin, but stable type assets that you can rely on, I guess is the way to put it, for the foreseeable future. That's how I put it. So if you're looking to XRP, I would personally, and I have, you know, I look at it as just another coin of the mix. You know, if if it's something where you think it's going to be around for a while, you look for dip opportunities, you buy into those and then sell for profits and don't wait for it to make you a millionaire because it's likely not going to do that. It might, but I don't think that it will. A while ago on the YouTube channel, I did some lives and I was talking about Hex and I was talking about the Pulse ecosystem. And I said that, You know, there actually are some folks in the Hex, I believe it's Hex specifically, that reached out and they said, you know, we listen to the show and we like what you do and we share what's out there because you're you're one of the more grounded ones. And I appreciate them because it seems like the Hex community in particular was a really good community. But what I also said was I didn't do any coverage on Pulse or Hex or any of this because at the time SEC was had their eye on it. They were looking at there was news talking about they were going to come down on these guys and I wanted to stay away from it. They were going after influencers. They were going after all these things. And I didn't want that smoke to be quite candid. And so I didn't do excessive coverage. I also did just said though, as a side, it felt like certain people were getting tired of hex. It lost a lot of the steam that it once had. It lost a lot of that velocity. It just became another asset. And certainly there are these applications. I felt the applications were not well built in my opinion, but it has a, I don't even want to say a cult following because it seems like the community on the Hex side isn't a cult. They just were strong believers, but they're also realists. They'll listen to basic common sense. It's not like cult leader on, you know, uh, Satama. It, it, here, they're listening to common sense. They're, they're reasonable people. And I don't think that 
I, I think there are some people out there that kind of go over the board with the shilling, but I don't, I never got that sense here. And then when the pulse chain came to be a thing and I said that, you know, I was going to do the sacrifice and just try it out. I did the sacrifice. It's on two different wallets. One wallet, I can't get access to what I sacrificed, but I was able to see the numbers and it wasn't much. It was like 10 bucks, but my primary wallet, I did get a little bit of sacrifice. I had thrown some garbage in there and it came out to, you know, the price on this business, you know, crapped. It was PLS and the price just completely crapped, which I didn't care. I only put like a dollar or two in there, but I was looking at it and I saw that the, you know, they, some of the promises made were basically we're duplicating the Ethereum chain. So you're going to get the same tokens you had over there, over here. So you're basically free money to do and while it is true that tokens were duplicated, the value is not equivalent, obviously, because the liquidity is not equivalent, obviously, because the volume is not equivalent, obviously. And so they were going to crap down. I expected something like this. I just wanted to watch it and see it happen, and it truly did happen. Well, then after Pulse Chain launches, Hex on the Ethereum side starts going down and down and down and down. And I'm like, geez, why the heck is this thing dropping? Because, you know, it was it was high. It was high. It was like 10 cents, 12 cents. Now it's getting zeros like nuts. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. All I said was I was not going to cover it because of the SEC scrutiny. Article came out today or actually came out a couple of days ago. SEC filed a lawsuit against Richard Hart. Real name is Richard Schuler. I believe that Schuler is the pronunciation correct. If not, I apologize. And projects for violating securities law. Now, Richard Hart he lives in, I believe it's Finland. So he doesn't live in the United States, but they still sued the dude. They didn't give a damn. This was done in New York. If you're in the United States, the lawsuit papers out there, it's floating around on social media. And it says, quote, many of the crypto asset transactions described herein took place on Uniswap, a so-called decentralized crypto asset trading platform whose developers are headquartered in Brooklyn. Quote, Richard Hart raised more than $1 billion in the unregistered offer and sale of crypto asset securities. He refer, the lawsuit refers, the SEC refers as to HEX as an unregistered security. Pulse Chain, which I find that interesting. I think they mean the PLS and PulseX, PLSX, as unregistered securities. Well, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> well, they didn't go any too deep further on this. And we, we've been down this road before with the XRP and the Ripple. And the theory was that they were going after HEX as low-hanging fruit to try to get a win fresh off taking an L on XRP. But it didn't elaborate any further. What it did do, though, is they called out the, all the flossing that Richard Hart does. Because if you've never seen this guy's video, first of all, he looks slimy as all hell. I will say he's honest when he speaks, but he looks slimy is my point. But he flosses like Lambos and jewelry and all these other things. He's flossing that. And in the lawsuit, they called out that he apparently was, quote, misappropriating funds that, you know, investor funds to buy all this, to live this life cycle. Well, I'm, I was thinking to myself, geez, why the hell don't you go after the freaking you know, cult leader on Satama? He, he and his ex-wife were doing the same damn thing. You don't go after him. You go after Richard Hart. I don't know. So anyhow, at, as a result of this, Hex, the Pulse ecosystem, everything has been t crapping because of this SEC thing, just like what happened to XRP when SRC went out, SEC went after them. So if you are in the Hex ecosystem where you're following it and you're wondering what the hell went on with the price movement. That's what happened is the SEC started putting a closer eye and actually pulled the trigger on a lawsuit on these dudes. And that caused a significant dump. Hex went down like 30 something percent. This is no joke people. 
Now, there are believers, and they are going to, quote, buy the dip because they think that there's nothing to it. I'm not going to tell you what to do because I cannot do. I'm telling you that there was a strong, strong dropout on the Pulse ecosystem overall. And I'll put in perspective some bullets because if you're in the Pulse ecosystem, I don't want people to lose money unnecessarily. But it lost from, from its, I'll even say over the last year, it lost almost 90% of its stuff, okay? Almost, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been significant positive more than like 10 days. More, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's been positive. It's like been negative, negative. So trading volume, low. The liquidity is low. According to the, you know, the market cap's like sky high, but the liquidity is like low, which is a huge red flag. The circulating supply is significantly low now, and people are not actively trading it to uh, other than sells. So all of these are red flags when you look at it. Again, this is not to do a call of action or tell you what to do. I cannot do. I'm telling you to be careful. If you're in the ecosystem or you're watching the ecosystem, be careful because this, anytime the SEC does what they just did, it's it's like a death knell for the for the uh, project in question. And again, I don't want people to lose money unnecessarily. So it's up to you what you choose to do. I'm just giving the warning so you're aware if you were not aware. GameStop recently came out and they decided to, they took an L on the whole NFT business. To give a little background, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but background. There was a time when GameStop hired a new, I think it was a CEO, but he hired a new guy to come in and start looking at NFTs for the business model because they wanted to get in on that do, do, do. And so they said, okay, you come in here, you set up an NFT, whatever, and see if we can get some money out of these jokers. It was a catastrophic failure. It was not going to go anywhere. It never would. They fired the guy, if I recall. I think I talked about this on a past episode. And then, so to get rid of him, and then they still had the NFT, but they were winding down. They just hadn't fully done it. What they were going to do is like the next open seat. That was what they were talking about. And I said, this is a joke, and you're you're going the wrong way. Your, your, your core business is in the crapper, and you're not fixing it. You're trying to go NFTs, and NFTs have been sucking recently. They were talking about cryptocurrency games, which appeals to me because of the opportunity to get away from free-to-play models, but I just didn't think GameStop was going to pull it off. Well, they left all this running. Recently, they said, you know what? Screw this crap. We're out of here. We're getting out of this business. And they said that it's, quote, regulatory uncertainty of the crypto space, as in, you know, the Gary Gensers of the world and SECs. Da, 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 da. I call it an excuse because... Although NFTs are largely crap, if you look at Donald Trump, I like the dollar. He's been able to make some money off the shit, right? So I think that's an excuse. GameStop was never equipped to do this, and I didn't know why they were doing it. I thought it was a bad move for them to do it. It is what it is. It's after the fact. But I want to breeze through a couple of different points here, and then I want to get to my big news, and then I'll wrap up here. Voyager. Apparently, this just recently came out, like literally in a few minutes ago. But apparently, if anybody listening was part of Voyager, the ecosystem. So Voyager was going through a bankruptcy procedure, and they were trying to make sure people got some funds back out of this business. Apparently, I don't have evidence of this, but apparently there was a breach of private information, customer private information, when they were trying to do the payment distribution to the customers. Some of the information around the customers got breached. This is what I was told. So what it 
what happened was some there was a customer and he got a phishing email, P H I S H, phishing email that was trying to it was trying to steal his identity. Well, what happened is the email actually had valid information about his account in the email body, which means the only way they could have gotten that is from Voyager's databases. So the fact that there's this phishing thing gets spread, the lawyers reported it and said, this looks like we got breached here. What the hell's going on? So I'm, I'm sharing this mostly because if you were in some way exposed or involved, I never was, but if somebody was out there with Voyager, it's possible, I'm not trying to freak you, but it's possible your information, your private information may have been breached. I don't know for a fact. What I would recommend, because I don't know, I don't know the scope or scale of this business, but what I would recommend is if there's any sort of contact information that you have for Voyager or for any of the, the legal case or anybody's reached out to you specifically around it, and you can verify that the source is legitimate, because I don't want you to give any private information to anybody, I'm saying if anybody's reached out to you about the case and it's a legitimate source that you can confirm yourself, I would just ask the question and see if there was any sort of a breach. Just kind of generally ask the question without sharing any for any specifics. Was there a breach? And then what are the actions that they're taking around the breach and see if there's something to be done? And hopefully your information is safe. I'm not, again, trying to freak you out. I just wanted to make sure you're aware in case you were not aware that that happened. The other bit of interim news I'll cover this came out roughly yesterday. A judge just dropped a new ruling around Do Rugpull, a.k.a. Do Kwan, for the Terra uh, Luna ecosystem. So basically, they're saying that the lawsuit should continue to try to get money back from Do Rugpull to try to make this whole. So this thing is going to go for a while. The fact that <laughs> the fact that this is going to continue is going to harm the price of Luna. It's going to harm the price of Luna Classic. It's going to harm the price of USD. If you're in the ecosystem, I'm telling you right now that the fact that this is going to keep on going is going to harm the price in the short term. So in all of these, I saw that there's a whole bunch of, you know, voted things in the Dow where they're trying to revitalize Luna Classic, at least. I'm telling you here, and I'll make the call and I'll speak in absolutes on this one. You're, you're going to be in a rough spot as long as this lawsuit's going because Gary Gens was involved in that lawsuit. So when they put their teeth in something, you saw how long XRP lasted. And you saw the damage it did to their price. That means it's already in the crapper as it is. And then you got people who have not been made whole. And then on top of that, you have this smoke. It's not going to, this is not going to resolve quickly. And I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I'm telling you that if you're, if you're in the hopium phase of Luna Classic making a miraculous restoration or UST magically repegging to the dollar and making everybody whole out of thin air, I'm telling you right now with this lawsuit still going, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time, and I will speak on absolutes on that one. The last bit I'll talk about, and this is my bigger uh, piece of the two, Curve Finance was recently exploited. If you were in Curve Finance and you didn't know, I, I wanted to at least make you aware of what happened here. I'm not going to go into the deep details of this one. All I am going to do is refresh back to a video I did on YouTube around Dex Finance. In this video, I got a lot of hate out there from people on YouTube land because of what I said. What I said was, I don't like these projects that come across like finance and come across like banks and do all these banking type of things because it feels like we're not ready for this is what I essentially said. It wasn't about DEX specifically. It's just in general. When I see they're trying to act like a bank in the cryptocurrency world, it feels like the wrong answer and they're setting themselves up for failure. 
This is similar to what Curve Finance was doing in terms of the lending of assets, et cetera. And this breach was pretty damn significant. I believe it, I believe it hit like $20 million or some odd. It was a high level on this business. And when this happened, Bitcoin was affected because of course there's a connect between the two. This affected the stable pools for Curve Finance. And they came out and they said, you know, this is what happened. It, it affected these. And it was around the contract itself, as seems to always be the case, right? In this case, a virtual machine, but the contract itself. So if you are in the Curve ecosystem and didn't know this, I do encourage you to do some research about what the scope of this and what happened and make sure that your vector of impact was not significant. I'm really just bringing it to attention. There's a lot behind this. Suffice to say that this had broad-reaching impacts across cryptocurrency because it's yet another breach. It's yet another failure. It's yet another contract where we tried to just automate something and it ends up getting hacked and breached and then money gets taken. And there's no real accountability. When these things happen, all it does is cause the United States government to chime in and say, this is why we need to protect people because we can't self-regulate. We can't self-regulate what it is that's going on here. And it's fresh off another breach in Conic Finance, which is $3 million. It was a smaller scope, but we're seeing these breaches happen over and over again. And they're getting a lot, lot more elaborate in how they breach these protocols and these contracts, and it's not going to end any sooner. So it's it's cumulative, right? You've got a negative general sentiment because of the Gary Gensons of the world, you know, the Janet Yellens of the world. You've got people to dump out a cryptocurrency, for whatever reason, their personal reasons, the economy, COVID, whatever the hell it is. But they're dumping out of these. You've got these breaches and hacks that happen. You've got incompetent devs, you know, Satamas of the world, etc. It seems to stack. And then there's the unfortunate truth, the influencer model. At least the influencer model that was. I see a lot less of it now. But the influencer model that was, what it would do is you get these projects and they actively reach out to influencers who have a high follower account. And they want these influencers to present their product to you. And they want you to consider their product so that they can get your money into the product because that would entice more people to come in and so on, right? Well, then if you think of ones like Strange Enu, Squid Game, and some of these other ones that go to the moon, doop, 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 and then they end up rut, rug pulling. All of these different breaches and hacks and rug pulls and and scams left and right, or just straight up incompetent devs, no matter what you see, like I can't think of a single one where they've been successful. I'm talking decentralization, non-main coins. I'm not talking the main ones. Even though the main ones, Curve, I would argue, is one of the main ones, and even it's struggled. Seems like none of them really have everything nailed down. Some people make excuses and say, well, it is what it is, que sera, sera. I don't buy it because I'm saying that when you have projects that feel like they're trying to do too much and they're trying to stand out in a crowd and they're trying to be that next big thing, they end up stepping on their own toes. That would be fine if they owned the risk. Instead, they pawn the risk off to you. They pawn the risk off to you, the retail investor. You're the one whose money is ultimately lost when this happens and you don't have a safety net. That's the big gap in cryptocurrency is when they ask you to put your money in there, and they're not owning the risks like they should because they're the ones that are going all after it and you're the one that losing all your freaking money. If it weren't that you lost your freaking money, it probably wouldn't be so bad. They're the ones to do the risk. They'll try to make the product and then you re reap the profits back to the investors. 
None of that happens. Instead, it's all a casino. And that's what we ended up with. And it's sad. And I do the coverage I do because I want to try to bring it to attention when I see that it's probably got broad-reaching impacts and it's going to affect people because people may not be sure. They may not know for sure. So be safe out there. And again, realize every money, every dollar that you invest is at risk of being lost. I'll even, even if it's a reasonably safe product, you know, it could be just whatever. Like I did on Quack X, which is on the Rich Quack, it's a D app and you can swap crypto across chains and you don't have to connect your wallet or any of that kind of stuff. But it has a risky point because if there's congestion on whichever chain that you're doing, it may take hours to go. If you cancel the transaction, you lose your cash. You're not going to get it back. So I did a $200 a small thing. I did $200 to swap over to a different thing that I have my eye on. And it took, it was like a two hours and I, I canceled it because I figured, okay, whatever. I don't care if I lost 200 bucks. But the point is, even when it's not malicious, that's the reality. You have to accept, you know what, I'm willing to lose this. And you got to set it in your mind that that's always at play. You have to be okay losing money because you don't have a safety net on these things. Big picture, though, I think cryptocurrency is having a hard time overall because of incompetence more than anything else. I think we have a lot of incompetent people in cryptocurrency. And that's holding back the run-up that we should have more than, like I argue that the scams, I'm talking real scams, they're like lower now and the incompetence people are going up. Scams are still there. You know, you still have the freaking car salesman. He's out there doing whatever. But I'm saying that the incompetent ones seem like they're rising. Jeez, I can go down the list. Satama, incompetent. Terrarium, incompetent. Para-Enu, incompetent. Shinja, incompetent. Impact XP, incompetent. On and on and on and on, just incompetent ones that don't listen, and then they crap the project. It's like, geez, man. So I actually know of a couple of people that were trying to create a new project that wanted to do it right, and these are ethical people, but they're going to have a hard time because now the general trust has been soured. So all you're going to get are the greedy MFers, mother fathers, who they'll just do it for profit, and it's not going to sustain long term. Well, if that's all we are, is just quick pump and dump strategies, it's not something I want to be in. I'm not saying I'm going to go anywhere. I'm saying that mentally, as if I were an outside investor looking in, I'd be like, man, this is garbage. I'm not going to do it. And that's not what we should be. We should be better than that, I think. Long term, we have to do something better. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the answer is, but we have to do something better than what we have been doing. Uh, or we're not going to get any sort of profit out of cryptocurrency. And it's not going to take off and it's not going to replace a damn thing. And the, even the CBDC is not going to take off if they can't get people to buy in at a basic level. We can't even get people to buy into what we got now. So they're not going to be able to, and they try to force the thing, but I mean, I'm sitting here staring at my wad of money right now. They're not going to pull this out of people's hands. I would argue you'd have an easier time pulling guns out of people's hands than pulling stacks of cash out of people's hands who did ATM runs like I did, but I digress. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. 
We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that will say the word Kek. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. To be smart with your investments, make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table, your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.